0: Five games unbeaten, up to fourth in the table. What were we all worried about? Norwich City going along nicely, unbeaten in five, four wins in five, and we come to you on the back of a 3-1 win at Bristol City. And what were we saying in the podcast last week? Four points from this week, from these two away games against Brentford and Bristol City would be a very positive return. And that's what we've got to discuss this weekend. I'm Dave Freezer. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM, joined by Connor Southwell and Paddy Davitt to look back on that game at Ashton Gate. And Connor, it was a real positive day on the the whole, wasn't it? I think... uh, the biggest thing that sort of summed it up a little bit for me, speaking to Daniel Farker after the game, was that he felt they've sort of got more gears to go through, and as as much as they've done well, he he hopes there's more to come from them.
1: Yeah, in terms of performance, it was it was for me a massive step forward. I think from from what we've seen in in recent weeks, where perhaps people were looking at it and going, "Well, they're getting results," but the performances aren't necessarily marrying up and I felt particularly in the first half, second half was probably a bit more about how they managed the game and making sure they they saw it out fairly effectively, um, which they did bar a couple of hairy moments. Um it was it was a very good performance. Um Certainly, offensively against a, a Bristol City defence that was probably at sea, really, and, and not helped by a lot of defensive injuries. But Norwich really profited from that, and um, they looked. I mean, we heard on on Friday how Daniel Farker wanted his team to move the ball a bit quicker. I felt they did that and did it a lot more cohesively as well. And there were some really nice combinations and subtle movements, and it was just a lot more positive to see. It kind of felt like um, they, not that they'd arrived on the Championship stage, but certainly as as you said, a step in the right direction. And it did feel like, particularly in the second half, when. Bristol City were pushing, if they needed to slip it into a higher gear, they could have. Um and it was just really encouraging. And I think it will it will give them a lot of confidence after that that positive Brentford result. Again, maybe not necessarily the performance, but definitely the result. And to build it and to follow it up with this is is certainly a massive positive for for Daniel Farker and his side for me.
0: Yeah, I felt there was more uh, more gears to go through if they needed as well. Although they obviously did get a little bit of luck with the penalty, but we'll we'll come on to the sort of events of the game as we move forward. Uh, Pad, how are you doing? You've had to sort of watch this one from a far up far this weekend, haven't you? What, what did you make of it all?
2: Yeah, um, straight away I'm going to have to caveat. I have a little person in the house, so. He decided half-time was a good time to wake up from his afternoon nap. So, I saw the first half live, second half, only seen the highlights, but I think that was probably the right way around, the way the game planned out. But, uh, yeah, I'd concur with Connor. I think that was a huge step forward. But I have to be honest, injury or no injury, Bristol, if Daniel Farker could have picked an, a, an opponent and the type of formation to set up against, it was that yesterday. I mean, teamy boogie, Christmas come early, you know, three pretty uh, immobile central defenders and uh, he had acres to run, make those lovely runs that he does so well. And, uh, you know, he won't get an easier shift all, all season, I don't think. And, he, and even though they had nominally four or five midfielders, I thought the, the way Knights just passed through the lines and Marco and particularly in that first half and Emmy Buendia as well, getting the wrong side of Bristol's midfield, you know, they were very poor. I thought, very poor. And um, I, said, I think I said it when we, we had a chat Friday, as you boys were on route, that uh, I be, wouldn't be at all surprised, given the uh, huge expectancy around that club and, and the drive to try and get in the Premier League. That manager's not going to be in charge for too much longer if he's continuing those type of performances, injury or no injury. I mean, that's five without a win now. Um, and And they were very compliant. But that said... Norwich really two up after 14 minutes. That probably put them up totally on the back foot. The game was won there essentially. I know they then swiftly conceded um, and made it a little bit dif- more difficult until Emi Wendie's scored a superb goal just, just at that key moment just before half time, changes the dynamic totally. But yeah, no doubt it's a step forward. Um, elements of how they played against teams two years ago that's encouraging, uh, and, and obviously ultimately every time we've spoken recently, we've said a lot of good things but they lack the clinical edge well that's you know three goals away from home that's pretty clinical so uh, if that is the missing piece of the jigsaw then uh, it could it might well be onwards and upwards from here
0: yeah top of the championship form table we've got lots to, to get our teeth stuck into for for this week's pod and um, we'll also bring you a bit of Daniel Farker and team Pookie from after the game but just to, just to take a little bit of a sort of step back, we've also, of course, it's been a, a strange weekend where we're heading back into lockdown or a lockdown of sorts, not quite like it was before, fortunately. But, um, Connor, I mean, you, you haven't been able to get to too many away games in in, the, in recent months, have you? Because, we, you know, we've had to, frankly, talk our way into getting two people to the game. So three three games hasn't and hasn't, uh, hasn't been possible at all, really. Um, how, did, how did you sort of find the whole experience of of an away game that, that me and Pad have, have sort of been persevering with and it, it has felt quite strange because a lot of people aren't leaving the borders at the moment or, or, or traveling around much at all and and then you know Tuesday I'm in London for Brentford and then we're at, at the weekend where we said in a hotel in Worcester on the Friday night and then we're in Bristol on the Saturday and, you know we're, we're living a, a slightly strange reality at the moment but you, you sort of got a, a real taste of it over the weekend how, how did you sort of find it?
1: Um, well, it was nice to see a, a league away win. I think that's my my first since last November uh, against Everton. So that was that was that was a positive. No, it, it's very it's very surreal. Probably more surreal than than being at Carrow Road. I don't know if that's just because obviously I've been fortunate enough to to get to Carrow Road. Um, it was just yeah, very very surreal. Um, it's it's obviously Ashton Gate for anyone that's been is is quite a grand stadium. So to to see that empty is is quite something. But. Um, yeah, in terms of spectacle, the same as at Coward Road, really. Not not particularly great, quite surreal, um, but fortunate that, that Norwich City sort of did the talking on the pitch. And uh, I think it would have been a fairly depressing journey for us both if uh, if they'd have lost that game, given obviously it, all unfolded sort of uh, across the weekend. So, yeah, it is strange sort of travelling to a different part of the country at the moment. And, and there is a, a surrealness to it. And Equally, you know, we, we have to sort of accept how fortunate we are as well to sort of get into the games. And there was kind of a bit of me quite sad, actually, when, when I left yesterday, uh, because that away end would have been would have been rocking. And um, at the end of the game, you, you almost sort of have to say, oh, it would be good to see the Farquhar at this point. And then it's like, OK, that's not going to happen now, is it? So it's still it's still strange. Um, and I don't think it will ever not be strange, but Thankfully, they they got a result because I think um, everyone sort of associated
0: with with Norwich City needed that this weekend for me. Yeah, the goal celebrations feel uh, a bit pre-season, don't they? The, despite the importance mm. of them for Norwich on Saturday, they yeah they still you know they obviously were pleased, but they don't, they don't get too carried away, do they? Um, we'll, so we'll have to see how this um, unfolds, of course, Pad. But we've got two away games following after the international break. I mean, the international break in itself seems a little bit weird with everything that's going on, you know, here and in Europe, with lockdowns all coming in, in into place. That, that there's about to be an international break where the players are going to, you know, crisscross a, around Europe, and then and, and some of the Norwich players in action on the Wednesday night ahead of the game at Middlesbrough on the Saturday. So okay, it's going to be a real quick turnaround again. As things stand, we're hopeful that we'll be able to cover the games at Borough and Stoke as we have been. Um, I should just point out as well, really, that although we're at these games, I can guarantee you that we are extremely careful. And uh, as Connor found <laughs> on Friday and Saturday, the antibacterial um, hand uh, wash comes <laughs> out at, at any opportunity. <laughs> um, you know, when, my hands have never been cleaner. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. You've got, you know, we are in sort of a bubble and we have to be careful. You know, we are interviewing the players and things like that and mixing with people from the club. So we are as careful as we possibly can be and as appreciative of of the sort of privilege that we have at the moment. But the important thing really from the football point of view, Pat, is that um, But Boris has said that elite sport is going to continue, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that would appear to be the message confirmed by the EFL last night. um, Following on from that Downing Street press conference with the Prime Minister um, yeah, elite sport is the term they've used, which encapsulates the Premier League, uh, and certainly the EFL. Um, I think even the National League for, for Kings Lynn watchers as well. That will all continue um, for this period from things Thursday onwards, just coming Thursday, isn't it? For a month until December the second. So, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, football is immaterial. But that said, it, it is also material because you know it gives people some respite and. Uh, something to sort of cling on to in terms of normality, albeit not normality in the sense of if you're a regular attender, you can go and watch a game. But um, you know, I think there's, I think that's the right call because ultimately, for me, um, you know, it's the other side of not having had fans in the stadium. It's not like now they need to completely overhaul all the protocols around these games. It, it's basically a continuation of a the theme, really, which is uh, a very sterile. Atmosphere, uh, environment in terms of no supporters, media accredited media, uh, and then obviously all the club personnel and officials and what have you. So, for me, I would would have been surprised if, uh, given that that press conference at Downing Street was very clear that they still want people to go to work, albeit at work at home if they can, but, but but everything bar non-essential shopping, it would appear, is going to continue through this period. So, um, probably not the, the full lockdown we experienced in March, April, and of course that did see an end to football uh, professional football so um i think for us it's probably not going to be too much different really we we, we're basically how we've continued through project restart period through the start of this season that will be the case and uh you know in the broader scheme of this this is all designed to try and suppress the r rate and, and the infections and bring them down and and hopefully if that does transpire, then um, then we can move forward with a little bit more optimism. But uh, it just feels it's another phase in what's going to be a fairly lengthy period through this winter, I think, and we're going to have to probably deal with this from month to month from here on in. So um, in the here and now, yep, Norwich's season will continue. There'll be no break. Um, and purely from a footballing perspective, given Norwich on an upward curve, I think that's that's good because you can you imagine if Norwich had to sh- basically Shut, shut, shut down for a month given that it just feels like they've got a little bit of momentum going and then we don't know where we are. It's, uh, I mean, there would have been huge question marks then in terms of the viability of completing football seasons because ultimately then it, we're already in a, a very concertinaed season. It, it's a much more abbreviated season because of the fact that everything was pushed back from the back end of last season. I, I would really fear for the integrity of these competitions that they could be completed if we had to pause for any length of time because you can see as we're experiencing right now, as we will next week, it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, relentless. And uh, you're going to be running out of dates, I think, if you had to shut down for any length of time. So purely, as I say, far more important things going on in the world, but purely from a footballing perspective, good to see that Norwich's season will continue.
0: Indeed. In fact, when we were driving back from from Bristol, we we were talking about, just imagine if, if Norwich did manage to pull it off this year and bounce back and the fans our back say for the first game of next season and Norwich are back in the Premier League how utterly bizarre would that be I mean let's not talk about it too much because we don't want to be don't want to be tempting fate and, and, and clearly we all hope that fans can still return at some point in the season but there is that very real possibility that it could happen and before we get stuck into all that Busy action at the start of the game, Ashton Gate. If I just come back to you first, Pad, um, just for a, a few reflections on the Brentford game on Tuesday, where of course we haven't spoken about that on the pod um, si- since we last recorded. But lovely new stadium, is not it? And thanks to uh, thanks to our photographer friend Paul Chesterton, we managed to get a lovely parking space right nearby. So that was that's always helpful when you're in uh, when you're in London. But um, uh, overall, uh, a positive performance from Norwich, wasn't it? But they they did get a fair helping of luck to get them there.
2: They did, yeah. I think Kenny McLean's a fortunate boy that he's still getting credit with that goal because it was was definitely off target. And if that was in the Premier League, that is an OG all day long. So uh, when he hangs his boots up, he might want to just take one off his tally in terms of goals. But uh, all joking aside, I think, and it's been evidenced again yesterday, they've gone to Luton and won convincingly Brentford. I'm a bit surprised that they're still in mid-table because having seen them at close quarters, they're, they're certainly the best team Norwich have played this season. And and I think as a result, uh, that point will exponentially feel like a very good point uh, as we move forward because uh, by no measure of means were Norwich probably... Well, I mean, you could probably argue they deserved the point in terms of the, the the way the game panned out. But I think ultimately, if that game had finished 1-0, I don't think they could have had too many complaints because Brentford in certain phases, were very good and put Norwich totally on the back foot. Ivan, Ivan Tony basically dominated Norwich's two centre-backs and they were reliant on Tim Krul again, not for the first time, um, to keep him in the game until, obviously, the, the, the late equaliser um, accredited to, to Kenny McLean. So, yeah, all in all, um, not, not by any stretch, and certainly not compared to the Bristol game, a dominant performance, but ultimately as they did the previous week with those three late wins, they're found a way. And uh, that's a great trait to have because we all know they have the quality. And, and as we move forward, hopefully, that sort of integration of new players with old and shedding any lingering hangover from the Premier League, that should all go. Um, but in the here and now, the, the ability to go to a Brentford, not really play well, probably fortunate to escape with a point, but still to get a point. Um, given they're probably going to be there fighting out with them. If if this plays out as we all expect, I think that was an excellent result, if not the performance.
0: Yeah, they went and won 3-0 at Luton on Saturday, didn't they? So that sort of puts it in a, in a slightly better light. And as a few of the Norwich results have done, actually, um, you know, Wickham beat Sheffield Wednesday. We finally got that first win at championship level. Huddersfield as well, going along quite well. They won 3-0 at Millwall, which could well be helpful for Norwich ahead of Tuesday. So some of Norwich's results just taking on a, a slightly better shine. Um, I actually think Derby are probably the worst team that we've seen so far. And Norwich lost that one, <laughs> um, strangely. But, Connor, kind of to, to, to Ashton Gate, and actually I've, just, I've seen some some photos from the press association this morning. I didn't realise, I don't know if you clocked it, that there were fans watching the game in, in the bar at the bottom of the stand that we were in. So a similar setup to at Carrow Road in, in that they're, they're in the stadium, but they can't watch the action on the pitch. They're watching it in what looks like a sort of nice sports bar at Ashton Gate, but straight into the action and, and six minute teaming Pookie up and running. And it's got a rather familiar feel to it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it did feel like watching Norwich two years ago. I think we, we, Certainly saw the the best of Marco Steepman, especially in, in the first half. He uh, some of the passes he w- he was playing was was excellent, really. And and it, that that issue with the number ten position is one they've had since they got promoted, really. And um, it it'll be nice to see him sort of reclaim that and uh, and and come back into a bit of form because as as Teamy said after the game, he's had a a little bit of a difficult twelve months or so at the club. So um, it was it was nice to see him sort of back on form. But it, a really well worked goal probably taking advantage of what Paddy talked about in terms of Bristol City's defensive woes. Um, they had two fairly inexperienced centre-backs either side of Thomas Callas, and I think that probably showed a little bit. Um, but it, it comes from uh, a brilliant piece of movement from from Poeta, who um, almost breaks through the line and, and sort of disrupts the, the defensive shape, which we haven't really seen enough of in, in sort of recent weeks when Norwich have been faced with a really solid, compact defence. Um, and that sort of creates the space and Pookie just peels off and, and Stephenman finds him with a... Uh, a, a really good pass. So uh, a really nice goal, as, as you said, shades of of two years ago. We didn't necessarily see sort of the variation and, and whether that's because Quintilla was missing or not, I'm not sure, but we didn't necessarily see the the willingness to cross as frequently as as, as perhaps we have in, in recent games. It, it kind of felt like um, again, Norwich were, were trying to sort of play through Bristol City rather than sort of play around them, which was which was nice. And it was sort of three moments of quality, really, that, that were for, for each of the goals. So um, that was nice to see. Marco Steepman at the heart of it and, and Timmy Bapuki look back to his lethal best. So that's got to be good for him as well, because he's, he's obviously had a, a difficult sort of year, really, um, since, since that toe injury at Leicester, but two really clinical finishes. All right, the second one gets a deflection, but... Um, it, again he, he kind of was sort of shocked at the amount of space he was given by Bristol City and look you give you give him that much space and um, ultimately he'll score goals so um, yeah really good goal nice to see them to sort of develop that partnership and hopefully that's something that they can develop in the weeks to come because you know as I said that number 10 position has been an area of real concern for Norwich for
0: for a while now really. Yeah I think on reflection I, I'm going to give Steepman man of the match in, in the pink and on Monday because I feel like he's the one that made the difference in that first half. I thought he was really excellent. And some some of his work actually went a bit unrewarded by Pukie. They There were a few moments when they, they, beyond the goal, obviously, where they linked. And, and Pookie should have had a hatchet, really. And Steepman involved in, in those moves um, as well. You know, he, he had one shot just over the bar early in the second half and um, one that he drove straight at Bentley that, you know, I, I thought he was really good, a real step in the right direction. If he can continue in that vein then then that's really encouraging. But but I think he just ran out of steam, didn't he? he you know, he'd had that illness recently, so missed two games and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was really encouraging. Um, Pat, if I come to you on the second goal, um, a lovely, lovely pass from Jacob Soros. Before, but before yeah. we do, um, Pookie is now on 45 goals from 93 games. That is pretty ridiculous. Um, he's not far off the all-time top 20 now. So, 45 goals. He's three behind Darren Huckabee, who did it in 203, although, of course, he wasn't sort of an out-and-out striker, was he? He was more of a winger. And he is closing in on Martin Peters, of course, a World Cup winner. He got 50 in 232 for Norwich. He's in 23rd place. Um, 20th place is Wes Houlihan on 54 and, of course, 352. So that's a remarkable, um, remarkable record uh, before he's even got to 100, 100 games for the club. Um, But this was okay. Got a bit of luck with with the deflection for this, but a lovely pass from Sorensen, and it's all about the movement. I think with both of these guys from Pookie, that's that's what's so encouraging, isn't it?
2: All day long, yeah, Uh, and that was very heartening because I've been quite clear. I I don't think he's going to be the player he was. I think there's too many miles on the clock now. But uh, that that was vintage uh, Pookie. But again, I, I I just feel it has to be caveated with a very 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 poor defensive effort from Bristol and because he's not really i mean there's maybe there's, there's periods of games where he's had a little bit of space but nothing on that degree on Saturday at Ashton gate what i want to see now um is in a really tight game and it it might not be millwall this saturday, uh, tuesday but it could certainly be swansea um the following saturday at Carrow Road. A really tight game where two very good sides going toe to toe, and if he if he can just maybe gets one or two chances, if he can score, then 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 I, I really feel that you know okay, there's there's a bit of water left to flow under the bridge in terms of his, his story at Norwich, because it's those tight games um against real direct rivals. You're looking for him to 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 be the difference, to be the match winner, as he was so often two years ago, and. Uh, yeah, so for me it's still a little bit jury out, but he's uh, I mean, that's four goals for the season now, he could easily have had double. Um, and that's not too bad for a man who's still finding his way back to, to to the levels we associate with him in terms of his productivity, as you allude there, Dave, you know, second period of a of a very difficult season in the Premier League aside, he's been absolutely phenomenal for Norwich. And uh, as I say, you give him that type of space that you got at Bristol, um, he will score goals still at this level. So yeah, very positive signs, and and Norwich just look a different animal when they've got him at the top end of the pitch scoring goals because he provides the full stop on a lot of the positive work that they do, and and if he can continue in that vein, then then really I don't think there's anything to stop Norwich in this division. But as I say, that is the big but because you know if he if he was to settle a very tight game against Swansea, then I think we can start to talk about him in terms of yeah he could again as he was two years ago be the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first goal, the touch is so good, but you watch the replay carefully and Viner just is giving him that little bit too much space, like you say. And then the second one, he's literally pointing to Sorensen saying, just put it there. Like, look at all this space I've got, put it right there. And I mean, on goal. So that was poor for Bristol, really. And they they should have done better. But Connor, the moment of the second half, really, I mean, their goal, um, you know, Krull makes a decent save and then it's just a bit of pinball, isn't it? A bit of chaos and Norwich just lost all their shape. Sorensen and Skipper sort of charging all over the place and, and Jack Hunt manages to slot it in. Um, a fairly uh, basic goal, a bit poor really to concede that. And I, I, It's just, you know, there's that cliche in football, isn't it? There's never a more dangerous time than when you've just scored. And I, again, they, they, they just sort of got a bit carried away with themselves and didn't concentrate enough and, and conceded a really simple goal. But then it could easily have been 2-2 two, two. and I got a bit carried away in the moment, as I tend to do in the press box occasionally, don't I? Sometimes thinking that I'm a I'm a commentator when, when Krull just sort of, as I described it in the pointers after the game, I described it as like a Matrix-like moment as he just hovered in midair and managed to scoop Chris Martin's header off the line. But I just let out a sort of scream of what a save and it was a huge moment, wasn't it?
1: Yeah and, and that man again after again a very similar similar in, in many ways save on, on Tuesday night from, from Ivan Tony. so I mean for, for all of the sort of good attacking play we're, we're talking about today I think Tim Krul has, has sort of carried on his form from, from last season in, into this season so far he's produced some, some wonderful saves and seems to do that week on week and I know that people will probably look at the save he made from Chris Martin where he gets his fingertip to it um, whether it really sort of diverts the flight of the ball I'm, I'm not so sure I don't think the angle's the best for that but for me that first one's the better save um, where, where he claws it out of the bottom corner and it, it looked for all of the world like it was going to be 2-2 and, and from there who knows which direction the game goes in so um, the fact that Norwich have a goalkeeper of his ability um, sort of be, between the posts is must give them so much confidence to to sort of play and, and, and be expressive in the way they are and um, you've, you've got to give real credit to him because the way he's developed over the last three years and we don't often sort of use the word developed for, with a, a player of his age um, it's, it's been tremendous he seems to be getting better sort of week on week and that's really encouraging and I think he's he's gone from being someone who who obviously a few years ago couldn't really Getting the getting the team anywhere um, to being probably one of the best goalkeeper, if not the best goalkeeper in this division, with some of the saves he makes, um, and and he's really critical to Norwich's defensive efforts, and um, for all of the talk that. Perhaps Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson and how that partnership is flourishing and the fact that Norwich are conceding less than one goal a game will get you've you've really got to give some credit to Tim Cruel as well because he's he's bailed them out on multiple occasions this season and and I'm sure he will do again in the weeks to come so a really really good asset for for the club to have I think as as they push further on in into the championship and of course with with so much experience as well so that only
0: bodes well I think for for the weeks um, going on. Yeah, Daniel again said best goalkeeper in the championship, and uh, it, you know it, the rest of his work is just so solid as well, isn't it? You know, claiming crosses, and um, you know there was one way sort of blocked it on his line in the second half a bit, like he did at Brentford as well. So yeah, he's had a really good uh, start to the season, Tim, and just hopefully he can carry on uh, in this vein. But uh, as well as the best goalkeeper in the championship, they've probably potentially got the player with the best ability in the championship as well in, in Emi Buendia, who. Who is capable of moments, um, hopefully consistent moments? We shall see. Of way beyond the championship standard, really. And, and had the goal in injury time from him. That just the touch from the Gibson pass. People were pretty excited about that. It was, it was, you know, you could chuck all sorts of adjectives at it, couldn't you? But people were just basically drooling over a sort of classic Buendia moment.
2: Yeah, was it the? Uh... Was it the whole game in the title-winning season where he produced that ridiculous yeah, sort of yeah. mid-air, pirouette, back heel, whatever you want to label it? Um, and it's just a bit of audible gasp at anybody who was in the stadium or watching on the telly. And uh, not to that degree, but that's the technical ability the man has got, as you say, far in excess of a championship player. Um, and there's so much more to come from him as well. And to be fair, what I liked about that goal, apart from the actual brilliant touches, was that he was running into the box because we saw that again against Brentford earlier in the week. Daniel actually said after the game that he he wanted more runners beyond the ball. And and that sort of maybe also takes a bit of the pressure off Timu Puki as well, that he isn't just the simple only focal point. Um, So the fact that we now have a Buendia basically breaking to get into the box, to get on the end of things, because... You know, that was the thing that was held up against him, namely by his manager last season. He didn't score enough goals anywhere near enough, got one at Watford towards the end of the season. Um, His assists really carried on in the same vein from the championship season. But in the championship season the two years ago, he scored a reasonable amount of goals. And with that man's ability, he should be double figures for goals and assists. No two ways about it. If he stays fit and focused, importantly, uh, and he's here beyond the January window, then a bit like Pookie Again, he is... uh, is, uh, a game changer, and and, uh, and that emphasised it. And in the context of a game where it's two one, uh, Bristol will go in at halftime. Their manager will get into them. They'll feel that they can probably turn that game around. Just takes the air out of that 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 thought process from Bristol. Completely changes both halftime team talks for the respective coaches. Um, and as you say, the second half was a re- basically a holding pattern for Norwich, and and that was simply down to. A moment of magic from that man, you know. Great pass from Gibson as well, but uh, yeah, the, the two touches to set and then the instant guide into the bottom corner, class, class. And that's what that's what that man is. He's a, he's a class operator, and it is age. Um, sky is the limit, and you just hope he's still got another another season at least in him in Norwich colours. Because if he stays here until the end of the season, then then I think you know it could be a very good season for Norwich. Certainly
0: could, yeah. I mean, he was in the championship team of midweek after the Brentford game. I, I dare say, we'll see at least uh, one Norwich player in the championship team of the weekend when that's announced, uh, presumably Monday morning. And I, I was pleased to see him score this goal because I'd done my column on him on in the pink and on Saturday, haven't I? And one of the things I'd said in there, I'm yeah, you know, mainly talking positively and saying how great it is to sort of see him settling down and and, and getting his smile back, but. I've sort of banged the drum for a while about Emmy just sort of needing to show more maturity and and you know he's not an 18 year old and how he behaves sometimes isn't really the fitting of someone who's 23 and and got a fair bit of experience under his belt now, so I, I think we are seeing just hopefully on on the whole he's looking more settled in that respect. But but also positionally, I just I felt for a long time that he needs to be more disciplined, and and that was a goal really that was of a right winger, wasn't it? He was the more advanced player. He pushed up into that space as the ball came across from the left, and too often as brilliant as he is, I've always just wanted Daniel to just rein him in a little bit and stop him meandering around the pitch desperately trying to get on the ball popping up here and there it, you know that's great some of the time it's great for him to find those little pockets of space as as Stuart Webber has described it in the past and but sometimes you just need him to spend a bit more time on the right protect max a little bit more hold up that sort of formation shape back a little bit more so hopefully we'll we'll see emmy really flourish and fulfil his potential because he he, he still hasn't the finished product, I don't think. And um, it's going to be great to see how he kicks on this season. Hopefully. Um, Connor, um, I'll come to you and uh, just to finish on the game with it on, on Pojeta in a minute, because you did the player watch on him, didn't you? Which you, you of course can read at pinkland.com, but um, there was the other Tim save from the really good shot, actually from Chris Martin from long range. And, um, just gets fingertips on it. Maybe I think some people are going a bit overboard with how much of a great save it was. I, I'm not, am not sure it actually diverted the, the um, direction of the ball a, a great deal really, but it, it, he did get fingertips on it onto the post. Uh, and then Norwich get a big let off with Naki Wells. Stupid penalty. I mean, he was substituted three minutes later. His manager didn't look at him. He didn't look at his manager. It was just chipped it over the crossbar. It was a really, really stupid and, and, and if he'd have scored that, it could well have turned into a completely different game. But Pujeta did have three late chances, didn't he? Conor, what, what did you make of him? He, he got the nod on the left. Todd Campbell didn't even get off the bench on on, uh, on Saturday. Um, do, you, do you think Pujeta did enough to keep his place?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it was, it was probably the best we've seen of him, um, to be fair, across a 90-minute piece. I, as, I, as I wrote, I don't think it, we, we necessarily saw the sort of long, lung-busting runs that, that perhaps we've seen in, in the opening sort of, um, however many games. I think we saw him use his speed a bit more effectively. It was sort of short, sharp bursts that kind of um, got him behind, and, it, and he did give Norwich a different dimension. I think we, when you play Buenier and Campwell, you fall into the habit of, of two players who want to come centrally, and that makes the pitch a lot more tighter. He's he's a bit more of a conventional winger. He likes sort of chalk on his boots. He wants to to race down the line and get to the byline, and he does want to give them a threat in behind as well. So he kind of can stretch the game in a way that they don't really beyond perhaps on El Hernandez um, have a, have a player who really wants to do he doesn't necessarily want the ball to feet all the time and that's that's quite a nice sort of option to have I think there, again there are a couple of of points that he does need to work on he, he, when he's in possession he, he does play with his head down clearly that's something they need to address um, decision making as well you mentioned the free chance he had later on uh, arguably for a couple of those he had better options in the box if he'd have just lifted that head up um, and but I think there's a lot of promise there and I think there's a lot of raw material there that if they can can sort of sculpt it and and mould it in a way that they like, then they can have a very effective player who's going to cause teams problems, particularly when they have the leading games and games are a little bit more open. I don't think he's necessarily suited to, say, Wickham at home, where it's going to be a team that that sort of puts 10 men behind the ball and say, go on, then break us down. I don't think that's necessarily his game. Um, But I think when when Norwich are perhaps playing away from home against a side who perhaps are going to have a bit more a go, uh, I think in... When he works in conjunction with someone who's a bit more pragmatic at left back, like Sorensen was, didn't necessarily want to push forward in the same way Quintia does. Um, he was a lot more effective um, and he certainly created a lot of space for Tim Pukki. So, yeah, plenty I liked, plenty. I think there's, th- there's work to be done still, but of course, still a very young man who was playing, of course, in the Polish top flight. And, and that level of football perhaps isn't necessarily sort of comparable with where he is at the moment he is a step up um, so there's there's a lot of things he has to acclimatise to the intensity the pace the physicality but I think we we show signs that he's improving slowly and if Norwich can get a tune out of him then uh, I think they've got a, a very decent very different option on their hands that they can utilise this season
0: yeah, another one that hopefully there's more to come from as confidence starts to build. Right, that's what we thought of the game. Let's hear it from Daniel Farker and Timu Pukki, who scored his third and fourth goals of the season.
3: Yes, overall. So, uh, fifth game in the row, unbeaten, difficult to weigh game. And then, yeah, to be able here uh, to, to score three goals and uh, really uh, deserved to win. I'm pretty pleased, of course, with our performance. Um, we spoke so much about, um, yeah, our efficiency and, and to be a bit more clinical in the, in the final third. Because even the games before, we have created so many chances. But today, we were really pretty concentrated and clinical in the, in the first half, in front of the goal. Three great team goals. Uh, fantastic finishing pass. The first uh, from Marcus Tepman. Second uh, of uh, from Jacob Sørensen, Third from from Ben Gibson. Fantastic. Uh, Assists and also clinical first touches of Timo Pukki and uh, also Emil Buendia and then concentrated finish would have preferred uh, in the second half a bit more control out of our possession Yeah, perhaps to to score the fourth goal to 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 win the game even a bit more comfortable because when you're in one scene not switch on and yeah we gave of course unnecessary the penalty away and that's also the situation when they scored in the in the first half when we were not switched on and shifting quick enough so um, one little situation on, on this level can sometimes uh, change the whole momentum so there there's even a uh, space for improvement and and to do to do better and to have more control but all in all uh, today I can't really complain too much and uh, many compliments uh, to my lads today
1: we started really well uh, we we created a lot of chances and got uh, got a couple of goals as well. Uh, it was a good good start, and then we kind of let them let them back in the game straight after my my second goal. And yeah, but it was good good start, and a, uh, yeah, three points. That's that's the most important thing. Again, haven't been the easiest start for sure. I wouldn't say we struggled, but we are still trying to find our our way, and uh, it's looking good at the moment. And. Yeah, we're happy, happy how things are going, but we can't, uh, uh, can't stop here. We need to keep, keep working hard and keep uh, playing in our level to get this point. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.
0: Right, let's look ahead to Tuesday night's game then. Millwall at home and uh, a Gary Rowett team, Pad. We sort of know that they're going to be pretty solid for a start. But he has had a he's had a real good spell. I mean, okay, they lost 3-0 at Huddersfield uh, at home to Huddersfield on on Saturday. They just dropped out of the top 6, but I think they'll be very happy with where they are with things at the moment. And ever since he took over there midway through last season, they seem to have been progressing really well. So, um can you see Norwich sort of making making too many changes and personally I I think I'm ready to see Sorensen in midfield and you expect a bit of an arm wrestle against Millwall I, I think this might be the one to, to dip skip out and just let him have a little breather and get, particularly if Kintia's fit um, get him back in on the left and, and Sorensen into
2: the middle. Yeah you would you would think not certainly from the result uh, and, and large parts of the performance on Saturday but just that the volume of games now, I'd have to go back and count. But, I mean, it feels like we've been going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the thick end of sort of 17 days or so. So, it may well now dictate he freshens things up a little bit more than, than he has done. And if that is the case, I think, yeah, centre mid um, would be a good shout. Um, I mean, obviously, Millwall, that was a bad result. But then you look into a bit more of the detail. Gary Rowett is, is unavailable. He's tested positive for coronavirus. None of his coaching staff were there on Saturday as well. So that is very, very difficult to prepare teams when, when none of your coaching staff or the manager are available. So Daniel might just look at these next two games, Millwall midweek and Swansea Saturday and think, well, of the two, with the greatest respect to Millwall, Swansea is going to be the bigger bigger one, um, tougher tough nut to crack. Um, so do you pick a team for Millwall with Swansea in mind? And if that is the case, then... You know maybe you give some of your, your key men uh, a bit of a breather but it's a difficult balancing act because given they're on this unbeaten run it, you know they certainly don't want to uh be uh, coughing up cheap points at home um so i don't know i mean i, I can't see i can't see steep and Pukie, wendy I agree with connor puetta i can't see them getting dropped out because i thought that for, for a manager who's trying to find the correct cutting edge and that blend at the top end of the pitch well, you've picked four players there and you've scored three goals and sc- could have scored a lot more. So, in the in the way he's tried to build that continuity to get a little bit of momentum going into the season, um, top end of the pitch, I don't see any changes. It's just, yeah, as you say, it's, it's Quintilla fit. Does Zimmerman come in to his thoughts um, if he's trained on these last three or four days uh, with no, no after-effects? We'll find out a bit more tomorrow when we speak to Daniel. But he was due to return to training fully on Friday afternoon. Would that be a bit harsh on Gibson and Hanley? You could debate that. But, uh, you know, just in terms of freshening things up, I don't think putting Zimmerman in and dropping one of them out would necessarily weaken Norwich defensively. Um, Personally, I don't think Quintilla will be fit. That that sounded to me like he was sort of hedging his bets a little bit on Friday when he gave us that fitness bulletin. Um, And again, with a view to probably Swansea's the bigger game of the two this coming week, do you give him a few extra days um, if you feel he's going to be a a better option to play against a team like Swansea in terms of the type of game they might reasonably expect. So yeah, having said, so really what I'm, I guess I'm saying is maybe central midfield is probably the area he'll be looking at. Um, But other than that, I think he's probably going to err on the side of, despite the fact that they're in quite a congested spell of games after such a decent performance and result, you don't really want to upset the apple cart too much, do you? So, um, you know, unless there's a, we get down, what we get to speak to him tomorrow and there's a, as an injury comes out of that game yesterday, um, then I think, really, you're probably only looking at maybe one or two changes if, if you're Daniel for this game. Yeah, I
0: think there are some players who just don't want a breather at the moment. You know, Hanley and Gibson, Rupp, um, you know, Steepman maybe hasn't got 90 minutes in him at the moment, but if he can do an hour and Vranchish can do 30, then that's a nice balance, isn't it? Um, a that they're, they're not going to want to drop out. Um, so, Connor, if we, if we look at it... Um, if we assume that kintyre isn't a, a available to start, would you keep Sorensen there? Because I, I don't think he looks comfortable enough. But, and I want to see him in midfield because I I, I think we've seen enough from him that he, he looks good on the ball. He looks solid. He looks physically up to it. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what he can produce in the middle. I think I'd rather have Gibson at left back and, and bring Zimbo in if it's just for one game and play Zimbo and Hanley in that. You know, that added little bit of height there. I think from what we're seeing of Gibson of, of how good he's on the ball, I think he'd be absolutely fine at left back.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I I I I, I would agree. I, I think it's it's a really difficult one because I'm with you. I, I think as as a one two game off, I think Sorensen probably did okay at left back, but long term and, and sort of heading in, I I don't think it's necessarily a position that he's particularly comfortable with. And I think that shows positionally um he's he's very Simplistic in in what he is trying to do, um, and, and I don't necessarily think long term it's it's an ideal solution. But I'm yeah, I'm with you. I think technically, physically, um, he he looks a really intelligent footballer. It would be nice to see him in, in the centre of the pitch, and it wouldn't necessarily surprise me given we saw him late on. If if Mumba was was an option um, for for that position, I know he came on sort of to. To replace Poetos as, as kind of a, a left winger for well in stoppage time, basically, but wouldn't necessarily surprise me to see him in in that sort of um, left back role on on Tuesday night. And um, it's it's a really sort of difficult one to get because as as Pad says, you don't want to necessarily lose the momentum by making too many changes, but equally you don't want to persist with something that maybe isn't particularly working. And I think the the penalty that he conceded probably shows perhaps his vulnerabilities in that position and the longer it goes on the more teams are going to become aware to it and look to target it and and try it and think they've got Connor Maloney haven't they who is a particularly good winger at this division so um it's it's going to be a difficult balance to strike for Daniel obviously Mill will play three at the back and with, with Zimman back I guess that becomes an option as well if you want to go for wing backs and 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 whatnot but I can't see too many changes. I think we'll probably see Sorensen at left back again on on Tuesday if Quintier isn't isn't fully fit. To be honest, I I just can't see Daniel Farker making too many changes to start with. He, he's not that sort of coach that will that will make three changes if he only needs to make one. You know, so I, I I think we'll probably see Sorensen certainly at left back for
0: Millwall, and then probably as Pad says, Quintia for Swansea. If I'm completely honest. Interesting. Um, well, I just noticed while you were talking there, Villa are 3-0 down at home to Southampton, so it's not going very well for them since they smashed the Champions 7-2, is it? But uh, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what they, what they do. And uh, We did get a question in, uh, actually, Pad, which uh, I'll put to you. Um, does Ben Gibson's current card tally and ability to pick up yellow cards worry you? I think that was the third of the season on on Saturday, and I think off the top of my head, I've double checked this, but I think the cutoff point in the championship is nineteen games for you for the first amnesty on on five yellow cards. So he is closing in on a ban, isn't he?
2: If that well, if it's five in nineteen, then he will definitely be missing a game through suspension. I think the way he's going, uh, and if that is the case, all the more reason to get Zimmerman back in the mix. Um, yeah, it has to be a, it has to be a concern, but. Uh, you know that's the type of again so the way Norwich concede goals. I mean, I said to you before we started recording, Grant Hart was this pundit on on Sky um, yesterday at Bristol, and uh, and he kind of he was asked about the manner of the goal they conceded, and said that's kind of how Daniel sets his teams up. You saw how high Max Aaron's was. They gamble, they gamble, and that isolates your, your central defenders a lot of the time in that system, and, and also on top of that. As we know, a Daniel Farker team is Tim Krull playing it into centre-backs, playing it into wide areas and building from the back. It's high-tariff, high-risk football. Um, And in that scenario, your centre-backs probably are going to collect the odd book in here and there. And uh, it's a concern, given we're only six, seven, eight games in, that he's already amassed three. So that's something he needs to certainly be aware of, and I'm sure he will be. But... um, Yeah, I think the reality is it's an occupational hazard if you're a centre-back in a Daniel Farker team. So, uh, yeah, important in that context that Zimmerman is fit and fully available, I think.
0: Yeah, I was just quickly trying to pull it up while you were talking there, but I can't find it. But um, Ida's obviously on the the final game of his ban as well, isn't he, against Millwall, so he can be back against Swansea if needs be. And and actually, yeah, yeah, a pretty forgettable cameo from Hugel again at Bristol and, Couple of poor touches, and when you're looking for him to hold up the ball in 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 sort of the the late stages, when Norwich wanted to uh, put a bit of control into it, he didn't really manage to do that. Unfortunately, so he's not really um, he's one who's not really moving in quite in the right direction at the moment. But um, yes, uh, we, we shall see how things progress from here. Uh, two home games, and then into the international break. Um, Grant Hanley may well be back in the Scotland squad as well given that he's playing regularly and they don't exactly have a dearth of defensive um, options do they but um, we shall see thank you very much for listening to this week's pod thanks for joining us and of course Tuesday and Saturday at Carrow Road. Uh, if you uh, want to, certainly if it's good second screen material, our live updates at pinken.com. Um A little bit of analysis. You can put your questions to us during the game, that kind of thing. And we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on and, and all the reaction post-game as well. But for now, thank you very much for listening. On to Millwall and Swansea this week. We'll see whether Norwich can get through to the international break, still in the top six, and then... That's the quarter point of the season, pretty much. And I think Daniel Farker will be an extremely happy man if they are still in the top six.